live from the Vanasta Homesales.com studios. It is the Running Theory with Rick and Rob. Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, we are back at it again right. today. Hey, Rob. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm hanging in there. How hey. much? What are you up to? Well, I have learned that I need to be I need to speak directly into the microphone, but I don't want to sound like I'm trying too hard. Am I trying too hard? Well, if if <laughs> if you get really close to the mic, you get that AM radio or the FM right. radio voice yeah. live from the VadastaHomesales.com studios. Yeah, I just people gotta, make fun of me for that, but you know, I think it sounds good. Yeah, I think I was. <laughs> but it sounds great. You sound great. I just I think I was sitting too far back, so I'm just gonna concentrate on that without well, being ridiculous. You know, as long as we talk into the mic and everybody can hear us. That's uh, right. We have a guest today. Has a very loud voice. Yeah, yeah. I'm hey. glad to have him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we finally let, got before we, we before we let people know who that is, uh, we had Steve Plymouth on last week, and he was a great guest. He was good, uh, man. Seven years old, still trucking, yeah. and still outrunning me by miles. <laughs> he looks miles great. Miles. I mean, the guy looks great. I mean, he's very fit. Still, still at it, like you say. Uh, and he's done so much more than even I thought he had done before. You know. Uh, qualifying for the Ironman championships five times. I think that's what he said. Yeah, and then right. with yeah. the uh, Boston Marathon uh, multiple times with that. Winning multiple races. And so that's just yeah. amazing. He, speedy, he, comes from the, guy. he comes from the old school, and he's kind of, you know, because he's been running since the 70s, and he's still running today in the, the 2020s. And so uh, a lot of people, you know, get to know him, and he's that – you know that bridge from the old school Vadasta when they used to run 10ks and they were you know used to fly into the new Vadasta to the new you know that's right what what yeah. running is today plus he's been an inspiration to a lot of people and he yeah. still runs with a lot of us, us young folks not necessarily us but you know we see him out running with folks yeah definitely so that anyway, it was great and uh what else has been going on? Did you run you, any this did you week? Run? I ran. We actually ran together. Yeah, we yesterday. ran together Sunday, and yeah. it was hot. It Very was hot. it was yeah. murder out there. How'd it go? I made it. <laughs> we made it. Hey, you know what? If if we get up and we get out there, then we're doing something. You know, right now, just trying to lay down a base. Trying to, I'm trying to lose weight. You don't need to lose any weight, but uh, I need to gain some weight. Yeah, you need bit. to gain some weight. You can have some of what I got. Well, we'll work it out in there somewhere. <laughs> hey, you know, it's one of those days, you know, we ran six, but I should have ran eight, you know. I mean, yeah. but. Well, it know. was it was hot. I wasn't saying and, that yesterday, but yeah, I look back on it. But, uh, it but, you know, I ran six days this week, averaged a that's, little that's over great. three More and a half me. miles a day. So right now it's just trying to get up there and do what I can do. And, you you and, running this evening? No. I ran yeah, this morning. I might try to run later. Yep. I might. Uh, I ran one mile warm up, and then about four quarter mile. Um, I'm going to call them up tempos. Yeah. Not fast, but uh, and then um, and then you know made my way home. So it ended up being a little bit less than four miles, but it was fun. We were talking about uh, some of the guests we have coming on. Just a, a preview. We've got um, in the future weeks. We've got Mike Beeman coming on uh, from Tifton. We've got Jerry Bourne from Eccles County coming on. The Mazurkowitzes are coming on. Charlie Mizell. Yeah, got, got a nice slate of guests coming on. 
and, and wait to lose we've got uh, crystal from and her and her folks from uh, wait to lose coming on so we got a, we got a busy schedule Yes, and if you have any more guests, anybody else out there who's interested in coming on, you know, we're, we're lining them up right now. And uh, as a, you mentioned Martha Mazurkiewicz, I hear that she's putting on a 5K road race, first one that I've seen in a couple months. It's going to be virtual, but, that, you yeah. know, maybe she can incorporate some kind of local, um, you know, aspect into that race i think she's still looking at yeah. at it but you know any kind of race it benefits uh lowndes county uh cross-country team so that'll be good it'll be interesting to see what the participation is but let's encourage that you know yeah. everybody get out and do that race get out because it, it is still a local uh school local team so even if it's not locally put on as in a traditional style race It'd be great if people could go out there and run it. Sounds good. But are are you ready to wave in our, our Let's guest? Let's do it. Let's bring him on. Mr. Smoot. Mr. Coach. Head Coach Where's Todd the applause? Smoot. Where's all that applause you had uh, last week? Oh, oh ah, I missed the applause. Oh, I missed the well, applause. Welcome anyway, Todd. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, thank you for coming. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure? It's always a pleasure. Are you sure? Is, is, is it as much a pleasure when you're coaching me? to run you've coached me several times in the past well certainly and 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 i've always been the best uh i don't even student student uh coach participant player i don't know what you call it i i look at you as a as an athlete oh thank you you know he kind of took (laughs) me in guys probably been 10 years ago now uh uh, he Frank, remember Frank Ryan? Sure, yeah, Frank Ryan. Frank Ryan kind of ran in between Tiffin and Valdosta. Always, and he invited me to come run with you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, di- I didn't, I didn't really know you back then. I didn't know Ryan at all or any, any of those guys. And uh, he invited me to come up for a run. And you know, Todd was good enough to let me join the gang. Everybody, yeah. anybody that wanted to run, yeah. our our approach was anybody. We wanted everybody to be active. Yeah, as you, as you were introducing earlier, you know, running, being a part of it, getting out there, doing something be active Definitely. particularly yeah. as we get older like steve plymel stay active you're, I, if you're staying active then you have a better opportunity in being in remaining healthy i think i lifted your line a couple of weeks ago i, I said something about be active or whatever i thought yes that's todd's line that's his thing but yeah it's, it's good it's, it's but, good for uh, everybody tell us about what you do where you're from who you are oh my goodness well <laughs> Tell, tell me about your running career. How you started running? When was the first time you picked up a, a, a pair of running shoes and got active? My first pair of running shoes were tree-torn tennis shoes. Never heard of them. Well, <laughs> the older folks will know that. Can we still get a pair? No. <laughs> Actually, yes, you can. The, uh, they were canvas, tree-torn, uh, and they were truly tennis shoes because... My mother doesn't like this part, but uh, she thought running shoes were the ugliest things in the world, and she would never buy me a pair of running shoes. And I was probably somewhere around 12 years old. And I had like to, the old Converse, uh, Chuck Taylor or anything? I, no, uh, the, the tree-torn tennis shoes were, uh, they were white, canvas, and they could be washed in the laundry room and by doing so then i could uh they could be kept clean 
and I could wear them like I was supposed to wear them, uh, <laughs> at least the way my mother looked at With it. With your Sunday clothes. Egg, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I started off with those and enjoyed wearing those for a number of years until I saved up enough money to buy my first pair of running shoes, which was just before my freshman year in high school. And I got on the cross-country team there. But uh, prior to that, wearing tree-torn tennis shoes, uh, then the then the fun part occurred. Actually, within the second week of me being at, at uh, the high school, my shoes were stolen from me, literally. <laughs> and I had spent all that time raising all that money. You weren't fast enough to run away? I, hey, how much money, how much money was, was it? Were those going? were, and here's the funny part, they were uh, Adidas Countries, and they were leather shoes. And they would wow. be considered now Kmart specials, and they were the bomb. They were great. That was, they premium. Were, that was premium back in the day. That was unbelievable how how good they felt up compared to tree torn tennis shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they were taken from me. And my mother, for some reason, felt sorry for me. So she went out with me and now bought a pair of Nike waffle trainers so i got my uh during my freshman year in high school and these were the shoes that helped uh build that running boom and uh wore those and and uh our toenails went through the the uh the uh nylon very easily every time <laughs> and we got terrible blisters and it was a great shoe and then it's just and it's gone from there but i so somewhere uh 72 olympics had a great uh, empowering a lot of people uh, they saw the 1972 olympics uh, and that's when the first running boom really hit and which somewhat coincided with my father who was um, about to get to that age where you try and re rekindle your your um <clears throat> uh, your youth and he decided he was going to go run and somewhat like the the commercial you well, I don't like father, yeah, like son, the commercial. It was an anti-smoking commercial. And that was pretty much us. In fact, I actually smoked a cigarette at the dinner table uh, before 1969, which apparently was the end of my parents smoking. <laughs> uh, they, I asked, well, can I have a puff? And uh, they apparently looked at each other and my father threw his cigarettes away and my mother uh, used lifesavers to uh, to dwindle her her thing. And I didn't help at all because I caused her to smoke a lot. And so um, <clears throat> I gave her reasons to have it. And I always helped her trying to cut down on it. And so I had a lot of lifesavers at well, that time. Well, you did. I mean, uh, she, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, just um, uh, so he started running. I ran with him. He got tired of, of watching me run around the track, sat down, uh, had me watching me continue to run around North Springs High School's track, which at the time was a pavement. And um, he said, I'm going home. Are you coming with me? And I was like a little puppy dog and, and uh, just started liking it. I enjoyed it. was something that came very easy for me. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed it, so I continued to do it. I looked for any opportunity I could to compete, which there were not that many opportunities in the early 70s, and um, especially for someone young. And so high, um, anything in middle school or high school, or anything or uh, elementary school or high, middle school that I could compete in, I competed in. I loved it. And 
went from there, went yeah. to high school, uh, got trounced my first race, and I was hooked. And you were considered, I guess you were considered fast back in those days. Not my first race. <laughs> but but along, as you came along. Very you know, quickly, I, uh, the, by the second race, I understood a lot of what was supposed now, to is happen. This, this cross country. This is cross country in fall. In the fall of my senior, I mean, fall of my freshman year, in 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was, yeah, 76. So that was my uh, introduction into competing at a relatively high rate uh, level. And our high school was pretty well known for having good runners. But it was also the first year that the state of Georgia went. Uh, prior to that, the farthest that cross country was was a 2.2 mile run, mm-hmm. and uh, the year that I started, they bumped it up to what they said was three miles, ended up being 5K. But they said it was three miles for the next four years, and we so we thought we were running three miles when we were actually running 3.1. But uh, we had a good time with it and ran everywhere and. Uh, it's just been a it's been a wonderful sport for me that uh and without a question i have an a uh, I, I become addicted to things mm-hmm. and if i had not found this sport i have i fear where i would have ended up and uh, most likely nowhere good so i'm really happy about uh, the the what this sport has done for me it goes back to that saturday night live uh uh, uh, skit baseball been very very good to me well <laughs> running has been very very good to me <laughs> running has and so after high school you went to college i went on to college and i had a desire to compete continue to go to the next level coming out of the state of georgia when all of our race results were indicating that we were running three miles i wasn't very uh considered very good mm-hmm. uh but I also was able to get and compete and make the team my freshman year with a team that did pretty well in the ACC's, uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference, and at regionals. Uh, as a freshman, I was able to make the team, make the top seven, and I always did. All four years, I made the top seven as what would be cla- or what classified as a walk-on. I did not uh, earn any kind of athletic aid, any kind of aid whatsoever from the school for my athletics. I just loved it and loved competing. And so, and were you were you beating scholarship? Yes, runners? I was. And they couldn't understand why. But then, in retrospect, looking back at it, I was able to figure out pretty much why is because. Again, they were looking at everything that I did, all of the results, and the internet hadn't been invented yet. Mm-hmm. And so the, um, uh, all of my results were on paper, and they all said three miles. Well, when you run you know, 15.45 for three miles, that's not nearly as impressive as it is when you run 15.45 for 5K. Now you're running just over five-minute pace, where in the fa- you're running 15.15 otherwise. Well, fifteen fifteen was going to make the team, but running just over five oh five a mile, that was good enough to make the team as a freshman. And we were running uh, almost exclusively ten k's uh, in cross country at uh, D one school, and uh, but that's why I was able to make that team is that I really wasn't as bad. Oh, you know, I wasn't. I was at a different level than they looked at on paper. Mm-hmm. 
Plus, and, and the back, longer I ran, the better I got. And I suppose back then they didn't have chip timing and oh, all this no. other stuff. Oh, heavens You know, no. it's a, a old uh, stopwatch. A, a stopwatch? Uh, I mean, just before uh, I was getting, I mean, quite frankly, if, you'd, uh, if you ask Steve, I, I would imagine if he ran some races in earlier than, um, or in like around 1972 to, 74 i will tell you that the way that they used to do is runners just said hey you know let's go run a a six mile race at such and such um in the atlanta area stone mountain is a very as a well-known park and there basically is a five mile loop around the base of the park and people would meet there at the designated time might be eight most likely it was nine o'clock and one person had a stopwatch. Mm-hmm. And everybody would say, okay, behind the line, all right, runner set, go. And they would put the watch down at the finish line. First person across, crosses, stops, picks up the stopwatch, <laughs> picks it up, says, okay, I guess that took me about five seconds to do that. Da, da, da. Okay. And then they would read out the time for over the next maybe 10 or 15 people that come across the line and then somebody else that has already finished comes in relieves them and then they read out the time and they all pat each other on the back and go home mm-hmm. and that but, was about but the where was the it. awards at there weren't yeah. <laughs> nor were there t-shirts oh lord now the uh peach tree road race is quite frankly the dog that changed all of that where t-shirts were involved and other things now the atlanta track club existed it just didn't exist at a huge that, that, that like the multi-million dollar organization that it is now it's grown oh yeah. it's grown yeah. because of the peachtree road race they also hosted a variety of races throughout the year but the peachtree road race certainly has taken them to a whole different level of 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 uh, success and authority everybody wasn't out running back in those days you know now you know everybody runs which is good but you know back in the day you didn't have nearly the the boom that you have now no, it was still roughly 12 percent of the population and we've gone through i think it is now three running booms class uh what would be classified as three different running rooms and in each instance they were about 12 percent of the population now, but in each instance, have we gotten slower? Well, in each instance, what has happened is there is a larger array of abilities running. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, in the seventies. Well, in the seventies, the average time for the marathon to finish, the average time, and you know how averages are done, and you know that the winning time wasn't you know two hours and 15 minutes every time and that and that's always going to be a, a fewer number of people up front in the masses but the average time was 330 now the average time for the marathon is over five hours it's a different the, the um what has happened is through the development without question it to me in my opinion it's the development of the shoes that allows so many more people to enjoy the sport who wouldn't necessarily run in the sport if their legs hurt all the time mm-hmm. so with the invent uh of the 
pronation, controlling shoes, so that the people who severely pronate, who basically run on the inside of their heels rather than the outside of their heels, their knees are helped because of the shoes. So it helps get them out uh, or straighten them out. And by doing so, their 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 bodies don't revolt. They don't uh, get hurt so much. Now Nike has been involved with some of that, and Nike also created a shoe that was. Um, the bane of, of uh, a lot of runners, but it was the first air shoe. It's called a tailwind. Mm-hmm. And they didn't stabilize the back, the, the air. And unfortunately, what that caused, uh, a large portion of people went to orthopedics because they had a kin- Achilles uh, uh, tendonitis. Uh, until Nike figured out how to stabilize those shoes, um, Air didn't catch on really that fast, but then once they but, learned how to but, stabilize it, but they look cool. Oh, they oh <laughs> the tailwind. Oh, it was like a it was a, a light blue silverish shoe, and it was fast. so soft. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But the original Pegasus was not even an air shoe. The original mm-hmm. Pegasus, and it. But it was a great you know, a lot of shoe companies did a lot of great things, and the and the shoe companies like. Uh, uh, Adidas, Nike, Brooks, uh, Saucony, um, heck, there was uh, Converse had a yeah. run in there. Uh, then New Balance, uh, uh, New Balance certainly was in there in that mix. Uh, they did a great deal of work toward creating it to where people could enjoy the sport more and more, no matter what your abilities were. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, with the people who ran, they could run without breaking down, mm-hmm. without having to have the special great shoes that are now available. So uh, you you um, uh, still had a lot of people running. Mm-hmm. They just were um, a they they were physiologically able to without having to have corrective shoes or or different categories of shoes and they didn't have to go to doctors all the time to have things worked on so you had a a um uh, a higher percentage of people that could run faster and they did now it is more of a mass sport and all different abilities are available to do it and um uh, people can qualify and as long as there are races that people can qualify in they're going to they're going to work their tails off to get to the qualify for that that um, ability to run. In New York, Boston are certainly ones that you know of. And there are other ones that you have to run faster times to get into. So now we have dry fit and goose. And oh, the technology. Uh, my wife, Alice's father, was um, he lived in Chicago at the time. And at the time, white cotton uh, running shorts were what people ran in and if i had to think back of it that's probably what i started off with uh but you know he was in his i think he was in his 40s when this happened (laughs) and um some neighbor uh called the police and said there was some man running around their neighborhood in underwear and he was actually picked up uh he got released but he was actually picked up and they thought he should have had more clothing on uh but you know the 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 changes that have been made with 
clothing where you don't just have gray sweatsuits on uh, and um, uh, making do with whatever you can do. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal, the changes with Gore-Tex and all the other things that you can now wear that that's not as difficult as it used to be. Uh, you know, look at... Um, um, you know, look at some of the clips from uh, the One Mile, uh, Roger Bannisters or Roger Bannisters. You know, the, is that at, the one where he's wearing the hat? Well, he, I would not be surprised if that day he was wearing a, a, a toboggan prior to the race, uh-huh. prior to it. Uh, but I mean, look at the difference in, in the shoes that they were wearing. Um, uh, one of the very uh, dynamic presentations I saw is that Jesse Owens well if you just look at his time versus the time of individuals now you're going holy smokes you know not even close but apparently you can do calculations based on of course he was he was digging out his own starting position Mm -hmm. in a cinder track he wasn't running on a synthetic track. He was running with shoes with basically nails going in the opposite, you know, cut through, push through the, the sole of the shoe uh, rather than having specialized shoe that help give you the most bounce and the most reflexes and all that fun stuff. And if you then take and, and do the cal- calculations, Jesse Owens is within a... Um, certainly within two-tenths of a second of the world's fastest runners now. Oh, yeah. And that's without, I mean, because Jesse Owens probably had a, a day job. I mean, he was, you know, back in the day when they didn't get paid nearly and had sponsors and everything well, that else. Well, didn't, that didn't occur, oh, my gosh, think through this. Uh, being able to make, be a professional runner did not occur until the late 80s yeah so i yeah. mean he's he i don't know what he other jobs doing. he's working but he's probably you know oh, training certainly. on his off time right you know yeah and no sp- but but regardless i mean just just the technology advancements that have been made are phenomenal uh make the sport better for for us um you know, can you imagine uh, how the pole vault has changed and how the high jump has changed and all of the running events? Uh, it's, it's amazing. The, the people that we've had the pleasure, that I've had the pleasure of watching who dominate the sport, who have, who have made such advancements, like in the 400-meter intermediate hurdles for men, Edwin Moses from Morehouse College. When he came on the scene in 1976 at the Montreal Olympics, jaws just dropped because he was the first man to figure out how to run the entire distance without switching legs uh, without because he would lead with um, what typically happened is men would lead with uh, the right, let's just say for the right leg for the first um, uh, through the first almost 200 250 meters and then they would be getting so fatigued by that point that they had to switch and lead with their other leg for the remaining portion of the of the meet of the mat of the of the race of the 400 meters edwin moses did 13 steps mm-hmm. all 10 hurdles that was unheard of but he also didn't lose the man didn't lose he uh didn't lose a final until he finally retired sometime in the oh 
my gosh. Sometimes in sometime in the early nineties, he had only lost one he had not lost a single final. He was the only man to hold the world record and he kept breaking his own. And I think he only lost one uh, heat in that span of time from 1976 to the 90s. That's incredible. It was incredible oh, to watch That's him. It's fast and it's extended. Oh, yeah. Uh, he he and uh, he, he was amazing. But we've had I've had the we've we've had the pleasure of seeing people like Steve Prefontaine, like Alberto Salazar, that uh, that change the sport. Then we've had recently Ryan Hall, who have changed the sport yeah. for the top runners. One thing that I do want to make sure that you do understand um, where the. Uh, you know, in the 70s, were people fast? Yes. The masses were faster. Okay. But we're still running world records. We're still running American records. In fact, American records, which didn't get broken for over 25 years, like the men's 1500. Uh, Steve Scott said it, and Alan, um, um, I can't believe that, but uh, the kid that broke it, broke it after 25 years. But it was broken. So world records, I mean, pardon me, American records continue to get broken. Mm-hmm. They were fast, but they're continuing to get, you know, faster. So the faster keep getting faster. But the, 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 the in having more people involved in the sport, then you're going to have more abilities. And I, you know, that's as long as people are enjoying it and or staying active. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for them. Right. I want them to be active for the, so that they're able to enjoy life to their fullest. I'm not going to say you're going to live one day longer than you're really, you know, than you're supposed to. But those years that you have will probably be more beneficial, more um, active. And I would rather go out under my terms than under <laughs> being laying in a hospital bed or something along those lines. You know what's cool is uh, there's so many people now, <clears throat> and I guess I won't say so many because it's like 1% of the population has actually ran a marathon. Does that, that sound about right? Is that 1% or is that a little bit more than that? I believe it's more than that. A little bit more than now, that. Now, because it has become yeah. such a mass. Yeah, the the highest number, okay, the, um, the largest participatory events are 5Ks and marathons and half marathons are uh, so five k's and marathons are the most, and they're so close it's hard to differentiate which one's more popular. Uh-huh. The half marathon is just a few ticks below, but you can actually see the graph go down, and then all the other distances plummet. All of them, they're just not available, or people don't want to do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now, if people wanted to do them, I would suspect yeah. that there would be more of them. You would, you would think. Uh, yeah, I know you've seen, you know, all the years you've been running, that bar is there, you know, and the marathon is kind of what everybody, you know, everybody wants to do a marathon. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing. If you're an avid runner, you want to eventually do, do that. I know that it's kind of neat to see these people who come out as long as you're healthy and, and you've got the desire and, and the will to, to do it, right. to train, right. you can do it. I yes. Mean, that's kind of a cool thing these days, you know, because I'd mentioned this last week, but uh that was that was like unheard of when i was a kid my dad we used to watch the olympics and and watch people run marathons and we never thought that one day anybody could ever do that as far as just you know uh, a weekend warrior well now the availability is without question the availability is there and the availability is there because the interest is there and people want to um, the when people have run a marathon they can say they are one of the few 
in the world who have done something like that and push themselves beyond because I, as I indicate uh, oftentimes when I'm coaching people is that you learn a great deal about yourself while training for a marathon. That's actually the fun to me. I mean, and so let's just say that you do that for uh, 16 weeks uh, where you are concerted effort toward a marathon. You learn volumes about yourself in those 16 weeks. Definitely. And then in that one day, you learn as much, if not more, about yourself in that one day, one event, one how many, however long it takes you to get that from the starting line to the finish line, because there is, and 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 many people don't understand this, but it doesn't really matter what level of runner you are. At some point in that ra- in that event, you question whether or not you're going to finish. Every time. Yeah. I mean, the day, I mean, you know, uh, if you're going for a faster time, if you're going, if you're there to push yourself, there is, and on all the run, on all the marathons that I've run, there was not a single one, my, either my personal best or my personal worst and the ones I didn't finish, but I didn't know there was always a point at some point in that race where I questioned whether or not I was actually going to make it to the finish line i did not know and i think the marathon is more than just an event it is it's a chess match you have to manage so much about yourself in that event it is a huge huge undertaking and when you do it it is very empowering and for people that um you know that it can be a life-changing uh success I agree. I mean, you feel bulletproof, you know, when you're ready to go, when you're there and you're doing it. I mean, you just feel like a million bucks, especially when you're out there training and you're running 16 miles and 18 miles. You know, you're out there on the road, like you say, doing it. And definitely when you're in the race, you know, there's times I've been out there and I say, yeah, I'm at 18 miles. Why am I doing this? You know, I mean, I paid them to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, 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 you know, not everybody should just not, yep. you know, not everybody should do everything. Not everybody can play professional football. Not everybody should play professional basketball. Nobody, but, and not everybody should run a marathon. But I believe the ability to test oneself is available in running. And one of the other cool things about running, how many people can say that they ran with an Olympic champion? I was in the same race with Frank Shorter. Oh, yeah. I was in the same race with Boston Billy. I was in the same race, you know, it doesn't matter whether or not you were competing against him. He was in the same race as you were. That's why I, mean, I love yeah. to run the uh, the river run. I'm not going to call it the gate. I'm going to call it the river run because <laughs> I yes. don't want to be yelled out on there. But uh, it's because there's some great runners that oh, show yeah. up. And world-class runners show up down there. Oh, it's great. They, uh, the, what they, what, what uh, that organization has created, what uh, First Place Sports and, and, and uh, has created down in, in Jacksonville, and the national championships that they now host annually, um, you know, the the American record has, um, before it became a national championship, there were two races back-to-back. One was in February and one was in March. One, the February one was in Tampa Bay, and it dealt with, um, um, uh, there was a 15K involved with that. And all the world-class runners would come to Tampa Bay to run in the 15K there. Gasparilla Distance Classic. There was only one race. Now there's yeah, a dozen It's a races. weekend. And, but the Gasparilla and the world's best time would be set in February. 
And then all those runners that went to Gasparilla in Tampa Bay, at Tampa, would stay around. And the race director sort of, felt, you know, okay, you take these guys uh, for these, you, you, you house them for 10 days, you house them for 10 days, and then they run in your race up in Jacksonville. And every time it was set fast in Tampa, it was beaten. And Ronnie, they ran even faster at at Jacksonville, and the world's uh, Americans' time fastest time for the men was set by Todd Williams, and no one's ever come close to it. He has he just destroyed, and he did it multiple times. Mm-hmm. And he it, he a phenomenal fifteen k runner. He just wasn't the best ten k runner, and he wasn't the best half marathoner, nor was he the best marathoner. But the fifteen k. <laughs> that man was that, on. That was his. That distance. was his distance, and it's great when you can find your distance. You know, if uh, you might find out that four point five miles is your best distance. Mm-hmm. Too bad there's no races for four point five. What's your best distance? I I competed better anything over fifteen uh, k. Fifteen k, I was okay. Mm-hmm. But if it uh, the next available distance is ten miles, generally speaking, but ten miles and above, other than the marathon, I was I competed very well, and I found those to be very good distances. I uh, was apparently uh, very good at thirty five k and thirty k thirty k. I'm sorry, at thirty k, I was that's eighteen and a eighteen point six miles. I apparently was that was closer to where my my body worked the best i could hold on to it the most but if you add the uh, uh the few more kilometers the seven more kilometers uh i didn't do so well <laughs> i didn't do as well i mean i certainly was i certainly ran well and did well but i it never i never met the goals that i set for myself what's your best marathon time my best marathon was set in no, I don't remember the year. 1990, I think it was in Huntsville at um, uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Rocket City. Rocket City Marathon. And it was the older course, uh, not the new course, but the older course. And I ran 221.03. Pretty impressive. What did you do? Did you stop, tie your shoe or something? You mean for the. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, uh, uh, there was a large contingent of males and females in that race. Two women qualified, and I believe five men qualified for the Olympic trials. I was the first one not to. So you run a 221 and five people beat you? Yes. Goodness gracious. And Alice ran, uh, my wife Alice ran uh, two, it was under 245. I, th- I want to say it was 244. She's probably screaming at me right now. Uh, 244.30-ish. And the thing was, about around 22 miles, the winner, the person who eventually won the race for the women, uh, had probably a minute or more lead, maybe even closer to 90 seconds lead. She beat Alice by less than 15 seconds. And it wasn't because the winner slowed down. The shark what, was in what, the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The shark was, was there. I was about to say, Alice is the shark. The shark, Alice. Yeah. shark she, the shark went after her. Speaking and, of that, uh, um, I mean, did running bring you and Alice together? It did. We uh, we had a uh, um, we had met at 
Huntsville, Alabama, at the <laughs> um, since you made such Rocket Alabama. City, Alabama, Alabama. We met at I believe it was uh, the Cotton Row 10K, which was held around on Memorial Day, annually, and I think we met there, and then uh, we had a mutual coach. Roy Benson was our coach at the time, and he was training her to try to qualify for the Olympic trials. He was training me to try to qualify for the Olympic trials, and we met often. uh, Roy had track workouts for all of his athletes at uh, a track in the Atlanta area, Dunwoody area, and Alice and I would see each other weekly, a couple times weekly. He thought she was pretty cute. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was great, and uh, it, and um, this girl's cool, and she likes to run, and exactly, yeah. she yeah. she won't fuss at me if I you know have to go ten oh, no. mile training run. <laughs> well, no, uh, she never fussed about that part. <laughs> can you <laughs> imagine? Other can you imagine living with me? I mean, oh my gosh! Uh, so you know, it, you know, yes, running brought us together, and is and even during the period of time when I didn't run. And I went from, because uh, I retired in 92, March of 92, I retired from running in the middle of a race, a marathon. I said, that's it. I'm done. And I didn't pick it back up until 2004. That's when you came here. I was already here, but that's when I started to, we, uh, it was Alice's idea to run, uh, start the running store. And, uh, once I started thinking about that and working on it and all, she said, you know, you ought to open a running store. Okay. And, uh, I, I said like, and at the time I ballooned up to, so I was, uh, um, in, in March of, um, 92, I weighed at that race, I weighed 127. By 2004, I had blossomed to 206 pounds, and I wasn't any taller. I, I, I was only I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you're taller than I am <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> and I was so this little short. It's like nobody is going to. Who's going to listen to a little short, little short fat guy? <laughs> so I said I got to get back into running, and it was uh, it it my head remembered what it was like body said we ain't ready to do that <laughs> so it it revolted my body revolted a great deal uh with my trying to get back into running what do you, what do you weigh right now right now i am right around the 150 to 155 mark if you were to get there i would like it to go a little lower than that and all but uh it is certainly i will never get back down and, and be healthy i will never be the the weight i was when i competed at the um at my best yeah you, know, you told me a couple of years ago um we were talking and uh you said that you started some weight training yes and you told me i think you told me that uh you know if you'd known that earlier oh you you'd been doing it for all these years well the when i was when i was being brought up okay i mean um we mentioned before steve prefontaine he was notorious to have done 500 sit-ups a day now he's also uh, um, well. He he did 500 sit-ups a day, and that kind of got known. So a lot of distance runners did 500 push-ups or sit-ups a day. Um, well, you got to balance that out. 
But the only the only weightlifting in colleges and high school, the only weightlifting that they knew what to do was for one sport. Football. Football. So here I am, you know, we go to, I go to NC State, and they don't have a strength and conditioning person who specializes in what runners need. Instead, we're doing work for linebackers and linemen and things like that. And so we didn't do that very much because we got hurt. And that doesn't help if you're getting hurt. So instead, I didn't do any weightlifting. Then, then uh, catapult, you know, a lot of years, and I uh, am honored to be involved and hired to coach Valdosta State University's cross-country men and women's teams. And after I was hired, my next conversation, I think, was with the kids. But then my next meeting was with the strength and conditioning coach at Valdosta State University. And I knew through, because I was, you know, a running nerd, it wasn't that I was doing it myself, but I knew how important it was for strength and conditioning and how the world's best runners were doing strength and conditioning. And he was um, very receptive and wanted to, he had been looking forward to working with the kids for a number of years. And it has maintained ever since. Without the, the, um, I had nagging issues. I've only had one running injury per se in my career, but I had nagging, little nagging things and nothing that would really, you know, take me out for weeks on end, but it would be a literally a pain in the backside. Okay. <laughs> Cause that's where runners are typically sure. pretty weak. Yeah. Well, uh, we started doing squats and I was like, I, I distinctly, he said, well, the first thing we got to do is we have to have squats. And I said, oh, no, oh, no, no, we're not doing squats. And he slammed his his hands on the desk. You're going to be doing squats. And I slammed my hand on his desk and said, we're not doing squats because the only way I had ever seen squats, we got hurt, hurt our knees. He said, you just don't know how to do it. And he got very angry with me, very forceful. And it was great because <laughs> he then took me outside to the uh, uh, to where we had some room, and he did a squat for me, and he showed me how to do the squat, and I could feel how it engaged different muscle groups that had always been a pain in my backside. Wow, this is great, and it has been incorporated with the program ever since. So since I was been involved with the program, they've done strength. The kids have done strength and conditioning twice a week, every week, including weeks that we don't, you know, they're expected to continue this material. And that way they are able to uh, be uh, improve their core strength. And by doing so, they be are able to become more efficient for a longer period of time. And when you're asking a kid, uh, or anybody, quite frankly, if you're asking anyone to put it all on the line, to give it everything they've got, at some point, their stride, their form is going to deteriorate. Mm -hmm. You just hope it's in the last 600 meters, not the first 600 meters. Okay. And so with the stronger you are uh, holistically, you know, the arms, your shoulders, your back, and, and I don't know all the muscle groups, but I just know that if you are well um, evenly and, and and muscle strength is, and there's not imbalances, then you're able to do more things for a longer period of time. Mm. And 
you know, incorporating strength and conditioning was um, absolutely mandatory for me. And I had, I, if I do firmly believe that with the advancements that I made when I started running again uh, after 2004, because I was strength, doing strength and conditioning then, if I had known what I knew in the 2000s, if I had known that in the 70s and the 80s, yes, I do believe very strongly that I would have been a better runner. And the schools that were particularly better, their coaches, their coaching staff, knew it there's a well-kept secret yeah they and they didn't pass that stuff along <laughs> right so uh you mentioned that you're currently vsu's cross-country coach you haven't heard so, something have you yeah i've <laughs> heard, I've heard every, currently <laughs> currently currently well you know because okay okay yeah. go ahead yes Gak. i uh, yes i am fortunate enough to be that when did you start coaching actually in high school in high school you started coaching i um, I was a student of the sport. Mm-hmm. All right, I was I was intrigued by the sport in 1972 after I watched the Olympics. Actually, saw the steeplechase. Don't couldn't tell you who was in it, but I loved the auction. That was that, wow. That's the race I want to be in. Of course, you know the barriers are about no, forget. <laughs> and um, uh, I wanted to so, but I started to s- runners' world, track and field news. Um, uh, runner, I just uh, used to devour that information and read it. And I also I had the distinct, without question, uh, I was in the right place at the right time because in the Atlanta area at that time, you had the likes of Bob Varsha, you had the do- likes of Don Cardone, you had the likes of Jeff Galloway, you had the likes of Frank Shorter visiting quite regularly, you had the likes of people. Uh, Gail Barron, you had the likes of people who knew stuff about this sport and how well they were doing. Uh, And then you throw in there a few years later, Craig Virgin, and you're just going like, wow, all these great runners are here and we can learn from them. So I, I was probably real nerdy and I asked them questions and I was always interested in how they went about doing things. And I also had the distinct honor and pleasure of meeting and and knowing a man by the name of Dr. Dave Martin, who worked at Georgia State University, but was also worked for the governing body and was the head of the distance crew for the American team. And all the world's uh, all of America's best distance runners would come to Atlanta to talk with him. And he, as an exercise physiologist, would figure out their training programs. And he was kind enough to talk to me often. Uh-huh. He's a great man, wonderful man. And um, I, I learned so much from all these different individuals. But in high school, I also had a gentleman who ran um, uh, in the, he, he moved from Boston to the Atlanta area in the probably 77 or something like that. And there was this team that you might have heard of before from the Boston area called the Greater Boston Track Club. Oh, yeah. Well, he was one of the horses. They called him horses. Uh, he was one of the horses of, um, of the Greater Boston Track Club, and one of the, the premier coaches was coaching that group. He learned a great deal from that gentleman. That gentleman then came and moved to Atlanta, got involved with some 
kids, got some kids involved throughout the uh, Atlanta area. And I got to learn from him. And I was because I was one of the kids that he picked. Mm -hmm. And I learned from him. And then from that, I get to meet Alberto Salazar. And from him, I get to meet someone and Greg Meyer and, and Robbie Hodge and, and, and Bill Rogers and all these other people because they would come to Atlanta. And as soon as they came to Atlanta, they'd go see Kirk. And we all would run together. It was great. And I, that's why I love doing it. But I, um, Kirk taught me a great deal about what distance runners were doing and how to set up workouts and recovery and things along those lines. And my high school coach, uh, he was a great motivator, right? Didn't know a lot about running, but he was a great motivator. And if he told, uh, uh, if he told me that I would run the mile better tomorrow if I ran 26 miles today, I will tell you for a fact, if I had run the 26 miles today, I would run a faster mile the next day because I believed in him so mm -hmm. much. Kirk would have said, that's stupid. But my co I, that's how much of a motivator he was for me. He was able to, he, he, he could push my buttons. And in not in a bad way. He knew how to get me to do what I needed to do when I needed to do it. That's a big part of it, though, right? Oh, it you is have huge. But I had the distinct... Uh, uh, he he let me coach myself uh, most of my high school career, mm -hmm. and I was using Kirk, which meant I was using Greater Boston Track Club, and I was I was using different influences. But I had a, a major plan of how I was going to go about doing it. And he said, "And you're going to need to bring him along with you, because um, we discussed the coach and I, uh, my high school coach and I discussed how's the best way we can get this kid to go to state." And we both agreed that there was no way the, 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 the event he loved, he was never going to qualify for state in. Never. Mm -hmm. It was just too stacked. In our region, it was just too stacked. So, But I knew he could make it in the two-mile. And so I coached him without telling him ever that he was going to be running the two mile. <laughs> and then uh, it was the uh, few days before region. He said, so uh, he started asking questions like, well, so I'm running the 800 and I'm running or the 880 and I'm running the, and I think I was the one that said uh, the two mile. <laughs> the what? The two the, mile. The what? what? The, the what? I've not, I'm not trained for the two mile. I said, excuse me, who have you run nearly every step of this training program with? It, you're dirty <laughs> you knew all the time I, yeah and then he qualified for state his senior year he qualified for state in the two mile and was running it was uh i was running first he was running second until 200 meters to go and then like three or four people passing but he he made the podium his first year at state in his senior year and it was great and i start and that's where my coaching started now i had the pleasure just of working with other people and i certainly was coached uh i mean in college I listened to my coach. Hmm. I had a coach. He told me what to do. I did what he told me to do. Um, when I got out of college, I felt I, uh, I, I coached myself for a couple of years, and I, it really wasn't very successful, as, as successful as I would like. Then I moved back to Atlanta, and I said, I need somebody. And uh, Roy Benson and I got together, and I did work with him for a couple of years. And without question, he has had a huge impact on how I go about training and training other people. 
but he and I did have a, a, a philosophical difference. And he and I discussed it multiple times. And he wasn't going to budge. I wasn't going to budge. And we agreed that it was, it was time for me to move mm-hmm. on. Sometimes you just maybe grow out of a coach. Well, and, it's, and it's not that you're necessarily don't like each other. Oh, no. It's just time to move on. Oh, we we to this. You've taught me everything that, that I can do to this point. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing, okay, so when I I ran in every distance that I ran, which was the the mile and above in college, I PR'd. After that, I trained myself. I only PR'd in a couple of items. Then I went with Roy, and I PR'd in every event other than the mile. So from the, from the two-mile on, I PR'd again. All of my PRs changed. Then I left Roy, even though he had a huge... Philo- I mean, he and I, I, I train a lot like he does. There's just some things that I do a little bit differently, and I PR'd again in everything from the two mile on mm-hmm. the so in each one of these stages i was running better than i'd ever run before but i kept raising the bar mm-hmm. and i wasn't satisfied with just where that was i had to keep moving had to keep moving and then um and i i just think i had the distinct pleasure of of uh, working with my with my wife and she pr'd uh in the marathon and in all the almost every distance and then um, I would coach people when I wasn't running. I, I coached people periodically. But in 2008, uh, February of 2008, I was approached by Valdosta State and asked if I, would, if I was interested. At the time, I had Get Active Running and More. Uh, it was three years old. And uh, would you like to do this? And it was like, oh, not only yes, but heck yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have uh, – I. I did have two years where I did not coach with the uh, with VSU, and I regretted that decision within two weeks of making it. Uh-huh. After I had after I had said I'm no longer going to do it, I knew I had made a mistake. But then I got uh, had the distinct honor and privilege to work with the YMCA, so I got to coach again. I got all these people. I had so many people that I got to work with and, 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 and that, watch them. That's where you met me. I, that's where I ran into you. <laughs> <laughs> or or that, that's when you began to kind of coach me, I would sure. say. And, you know, the, uh, but, but strength and conditioning or, 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 or in working the core is very important for everyone. Mm-hmm. No matter where you are, you need to work on that. And, and there's, sti- that, there's still a video out on YouTube of those is. core exercises. Oh, yeah. If they want to look them up. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and so, do you still coach individuals? Yes, I still coach individuals. Okay. Let me so, ask you this, Todd. Um, go ahead. Can I interrupt you there, Rob? No. Nope. Um, at our ages, like Rob's 40, I'm 56. We both want to, which I know Rob's got some life in him. Um, <laughs> Rob's got some life I in him. I hope so. Well, let me check <laughs> my pulse real yeah, quick. Yeah. I, I want a marathon again. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, is that, surely it's possible. Oh, right? sure. But, but is that, uh, I mean, how long can I continue to, get, can I get better? I mean, at my age, can I get better, or is that just unlikely? Well, when it, it, that has, I, 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 um, it's training smarter, not harder. Yeah, that's train smarter, not harder. We're talking to the wrong so guys. So, if you, <laughs> it, depending on who, 
you know, how you went about training or racing or running that race, you know, the, your PR in the marathon is, is there, are there things that could be done with your training that would help you get to a higher level or a faster level? I would imagine so. You probably remember that it was always harder for me, not not, not smarter. Do you remember that? <laughs> well, Todd, you know the the motto of our show. What is that? It is uh, undertrained and overconfident. <laughs> Does that fit us? <laughs> well, you would. Be, uh, you always want to be just a touch undertrained, because if you are overtrained. Yeah, 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 you know, you're you you, you know the the objective is to get you to the finish line without breaking. It is very easy. I, I share this with uh, every young uh, lady and man that comes to our school that is interested in coming. I said, you know, breaking you is easy. I could break you to where you'll never run again in less than three weeks. That's the easy part. The hard part is training you to get you to the finish line the last event of your season while you're still standing and, and you're always on that you're always on that knife i edge. would imagine one of the hard parts of coaching college athletes is to convince them that they don't have to go blazing every day actually you know, most people uh most you know, people uh the i feel the, good coach I, I can run you know yes i the key to me in most of the people, if if there if there's a a common thread with everyone that I've ever coached, I have to slow them down to speed them up. Mm-hmm. They run too hard, too fast, too often, and so they are constantly fatigued, and they never will allow themselves the opportunity to run fast because they are always so fatigued, and that was one of the big things that I had to change in my life was that I you know every run there was a potential for every run to be nearly a race I would I would run so I mean I um, either I had time constraints or I felt good or something was ticking me off I mean you know running is and without question running helped me in school a great deal. The focus that I had to have because so much time of my day was taken away by the sport, I had to be very focused on, you know, getting my studies done. I had to stay focused with that. And it all, but it also calmed me down. Mm-hmm. And I could also get a lot of, of um, anger out. You know, if a teacher busted my chops during the school day, I'd run that teacher into the ground during that run. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily always the wisest thing, but at least I was able to, and I, it, it certainly helped me a great deal. I, I as I've said earlier, I, I have no idea where I'd be yeah, today if I didn't have running. So are you still taking on runners? Sure. Uh, so what's the best way for them to contact you if they want to, which, I, you know, I tell a lot of people, probably look them up on facebook facebook is the easiest way probably the easiest way to find me uh look for todd smoot and every monday i send out a little something about it and and quite frankly the best uh i prefer email because i can save it and i can give a lot more information that way mm-hmm. so it gives you email address that you can contact me and then i will send you some information i have to i mean much like the question you just asked many people want to, well can you make me faster well i don't know yet 
I don't know what you've done. And so I have to get a, a, a pretty good idea of what you've done in the past, but particularly in the last four weeks, because it's not cookie cutter type training programs, which you will get from apps. This is taking where you are and trying to move you toward where you want to be. Sorry about that. Where you want to be. Not, well, okay, so you're this old, you're a male, then you're this. And go go, go run this at this pace. I got to find out where you are first and then move you toward a, a direction and help you along the way that way. But uh, so uh, 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 Facebook is probably the easiest way um, uh, or if you don't like Facebook and just the email address is fairly simple. It's coach smoot at earthlink.net coach smoot at earthlink.net. And then you've, you'll, you'll reach me and I or will they can you, They can instant message running theory and we can pass yeah, out, pass, it, pass them along and, and have some fun with that. But, uh, so what say somebody's out there and they're interested in, beginning to run what is one piece of advice that you might give them slow down slow down yes so many people think that the only way that they can run is if they're pushing it hard quite frankly if you're if you are a uh someone who has not even been active Mm -hmm. do not start running all right start walking walk first Get a good pair of shoes, not what your not what your best buds got on, mm. or what you've got on. It's the uh, running shoes are as technical as eyeglasses are now. Mm-hmm. And if I have and and so if if you need the analogy, if you are a nearsighted uh, need nearsighted glasses, and you get glasses because they look good, but they're for farsighted people, why'd you mm-hmm. buy them? Yeah. Okay. Same thing with shoes, mm-hmm. and so there are running shoe stores in the uh, that you can go to. They will hopefully analyze you, mm-hmm. and that does that doesn't mean that it has to be a computer or this or any other. You can do it by sight. I can do it by looking at shoes, but they can give you an idea as to what category of shoe. Not a brand. There is not one brand that everybody can wear. Uh, not everybody, not every brand has good shoes, but you find out what category is the right category. You have the right length, you have the right width, and then you try on no less than three shoes. When you try on no less than three shoes, the one that feels like you most don't have a shoe on, that's probably the right shoe for you. Mm-hmm. But You've got to have proper equipment. You wouldn't send a football player. Well, some people might have been sent out on the football field without a helmet on. But uh, you don't send a football player out. What, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't send football players out on a football field sure. without a helmet on. Even on their easy days, they've got their helmets on. Okay, And their shoulder pads. You don't send a runner out in tree-torn tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay and so get shoes start walking first and you and and you're and don't expect to be your your fastest it's um uh the quote uh bill dillinger's quote um 
all things take time, especially distance running. That I might have messed that up a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's pretty close to that idea. Uh, all things take time to develop. You're not going to be, you know, um, when I went from 206 pounds down to 150, that wasn't something that was going to happen in four weeks. Mm-hmm. It took me 12 years to gain it. It's going to not take 12 years to lose it, but it's going to take some time to lose it. So do it methodically. Incremental changes, incremental changes. But so get shoes, start walking first, then jog a little bit, walk, jog, walk, jog, jog more, walk less, jog more, walk less, never stop jogging. Mm-hmm. Then you're ready to start doing some more Which things. Which I remember many years ago. Actually, it hasn't been that many years ago. But when my goal was just to run a 5K without stopping, and it, you know, first of all, you know, it was to run a 5K, get finish a 5K. Then it was to run a 5K without stopping, mm-hmm. you know. And then we started working on the times. Right. Nine minute miles. Yes. Eight minute miles. Those, Eventually those. got down six thirty miles, mm-hmm. and I hope to be there again. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You just you you have to put yourself in the position to gain to to get your goals. You have to put yourself in that position. If you do not, if you if you unknowingly or knowingly sabotage yourself, you will not reach yourself. You reach those goals, but you've got to go for it. Um, and um. Putting those together, putting, you know, walking first, getting good shoes, and uh, you will have a greater success. And I've had the distinct pleasure of working with people who say, I always get hurt when I run. Well, but they sabotage themselves because they try to do too much, too fast, too quick, too early. And you've and so where a coach comes in, quite frankly, often the times is coaches are holding back and pulling back the reins and say, slow down, mm-hmm. relax, not so far. Don't you don't need to run so much. Just get this in. But I want to do more. Just get this in. It's then your body can actually absorb, essentially absorb the training rather than being torn down so badly that you become injured. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The old wives' tale is, you know, it ruins your knees. It ruins ah, your no, 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 no. You know, and we all know that's not true. I mean, I think it's, I think it's good for you, yeah. actually. I mean, you know, even long, in, in longevity, I think. I mean, well, what uh, ruins knees is weight. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Ruins, ruins hearts also. Yes, uh, <laughs> you, you know, know yeah. the you if you remain active, I mean, again, I'll never be where I was uh, weight wise when I was at my best, but I don't need to. My body has changed, and you know, uh, but I can I can certainly optimize what I've got, and if my resting pulse rate is pretty low, uh, you know, under sixty, uh, you know, the the American Red Cross goes, oh my gosh, his uh, his pulse rate is under sixty. Are you feeling okay today? It's up. It's how it's fifty eight. Wow. I'm, that's that bad wow and they have to get a, a permission to mm-hmm. give blood if they have above a 60 it's like that's that's horrible uh that you're worried about a 60 uh but when the average pulse rate for Americans is over 70 
they're not used to seeing something yeah. like that and that's uh they're expecting to see higher uh if you can have a resting pulse rate, it helps so many areas. Uh, you know, uh, I've had I've had the pleasure of writing many articles in the, the Valdosta Daily Times, and you know, people want a pill. How can I take a pill to solve this problem? How can I take a pill to solve this or do this, do this, do this, do this? Where most of the time, if you're not, you know, listen to it. You know, the side effects of taking this pill is. Da, 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 da. Yeah, you know, there's not too many side effects for being active, <laughs> except health. You sweat and yeah, smelling bad until you take a shower. Hey, well, it's good fun though. You know? Yeah, it's just great. I, I, you know, um, uh, as I said said before, Fred Astaire was no big guy. You know, he was he was, but he danced. Mm-hmm. Dancing is a great aerobic activity. Go dance. Yeah. Go do ballroom dancing. Go do salsa dancing. Go do dan- dance. But um, uh, uh, cycle, swim, walk, uh, uh, any one of the machines. But be true to it and be true to yourself and go do it. Don't sit around saying, oh, I just wish I could go do something. No. I mean, you know, what's great about running, you don't have to have a membership. Yeah. You do, you do need good shoes. <laughs> bad shoes, bad time. Good shoes and consistency. But right? uh, we, like we are about, we've been one. I'm barely eight. warmed up. Well, I know. <laughs> we're going to have to have you in because we didn't get to half the things that I really wanted to talk about. That's true. Well, uh, I talked to you much. You know, because I wanted, I no, want I want to have you back so we can talk VSU cross country and different things like that. But you do have a s- opportunity for people to come out hopefully if everything goes to plan we have uh, a the series com- coming out at uh freedom park yes and this year it won't be on the track it'll be no it's a cross all, all, all comer cross country uh meets which would be the plan is right now uh june 16th it's a tuesday we will uh the command to start will be at 6 30 so come out earlier it's uh Two dollars for anybody that's twenty and above, and a dollar for anybody nineteen and under. All right, uh, and you you'll have opportunity to run uh, one loop, which is one approximately one point six miles, five uh, k or four and a half miles, and you know no pressure, no fanfare, no awards. It's an all comer meet, but the clock will be there. And you run through the finish shoot, you see your time, you get to do this, that, and the other. Uh, you'll have other people pushing you. Uh, the course will be marked, and all you have to do is decide which, which distance you want to do. But hopefully, uh, we will have that starting on June 16th at Freedom Park with a starting time of 6.30. The gun or the command to start will be at 6.30. Uh, I'll probably be there probably around 5.40, 5.45 to start getting people lined up or uh, signed in. It'll be a simple item. We'll keep doing our social distancing. Uh, we have a lot wide uh, starting line. We can get people going. Command to go. You guys go have some fun and come back. And when you're done, you're done. Awesome. So that is going to be on Tuesday night starting on June 16th. I believe so. June 16th. And for $2, it's hard to find a race for $2. Yeah, that's pretty cheap fun. Yep. We're going back to the Atlanta Truck Club day yeah. when I used to run them. <laughs> but uh, other than that, is there any 5Ks out there that you 
think would be when we can start I rolling believe, again. Um, the the difficulty you were talking about with the Independence Day event was that uh, uh, parade permits were shut down, mm-hmm. and the parade permit was not um, issued before the parade permit being issued were shut down, stopped. But there are some events that have already uh, got their parade permits, and those are some races that are customarily known to be done in June, uh, um, in July. So I would anticipate some actual running events will happen in July. The Barnes 5K, most likely. I've not heard of anything else other than that. And also the... Uh, Break Bread 5K, which is done in Oldwood Valley. Then cross- flat, it's flat and fast. Oh, flat and fast. Um, <laughs> yes, irony um, uh, or, or gullible. The um, uh, and then we will we being the cross country team for Valdosta State, we will be hosting our event in August, assuming that there is no delays or any so imposed. August. We can probably have you back in before August to talk about Perfect. that. And I would like to talk about the team and, you know, more aspects of that. But, you know, because I know there's a lot of VSU Blazers out here. I'm wearing my Blazers shirt today because <laughs> uh, I love the cross-country team. And y'all usually have an event in September. August. In, uh, but for actual oh, races. a race. Okay, a collegiate race. If yes, you haven't first... been to a collegiate race, it is amazing. It is just like going to a a great basketball game or football game because when you come when you sit there at the finish line and you see these kids just going after it, I mean there is no lack of competing in their hearts. They are laying it down, and it's just I mean it gives me chill bumps to see these kids come across. It uh, me too. So I, uh, the this last March we only got to have one track meet and. The kids, um, they ran the 1,500, the 800, and then the women ran the 5,000, and the men ran the 5,000. The men's 5,000 was the last event that we were running. And uh, they didn't know where I was for a while. Mm-hmm. It's because I was on the other side of the fence crying because mm-hmm. of how well they had done and how we had how well. I mean, they were, they'd put so much into it. They had done so much work. They, um, I was just so proud of them and I will continue to be, they, these kids are really doing it. They're putting it out there and couldn't ask for any better group of kids. And the kids that come to VSU really are, and they're great. They, the camaraderie that they have, the band of brothers, this, you know, the sisterhood and all that, they really, they, they're they're godparents to each other's children. They're they're in each other's weddings. Uh, they they truly enjoy each mm-hmm. other, and uh, we have a great group group of yeah. kids. And I want you to come in and talk about that. I will. Rick, you have anything else to say? I think that's it. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, and, you listen I, a lot. and, and hour, hour fifteen goes by like this. When I talk, oh, you're like kidding. Well, well, hey, it was very interesting. Yeah, I was glad to have you. But hey, we uh, saw you on the road yesterday. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen you on the. Which you know, it's been a while. I, yeah, I just kind of got back in Valdosta, but it's well, good to see you. it's been a while since I've been on the roads. Yeah, we're good, so, good to so, see you out there. So hopefully, we'll see you out on the roads uh, if you're out there. And like I said, uh, message us if you want to get in touch with uh, Todd Smoot. Maybe have interested in having him coach you to reach your. Uh, potential 
then look him up on Facebook. Uh, as for Rick and myself, we will be out on the streets uh, running Sunday mornings at Mackey Park. If anybody's ever interested yeah, and wants to get us. into it, and you know, come over and talk to us. If you see us out there, just give us a shout. Uh, Undertrained and overconfident. There we go. We 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 lack we we do not lack confidence. So. Right. On that, we will see you uh, next Monday. We'll put something out next Monday. Yeah, we're going to be pre-recorded next next Monday, right? Can yes. we say that already? I can't remember. I don't but, remember if okay. I said it, but we yeah. we'll, we'll have something. We'll have something up. Sounds good. All right, take Thanks. care.